This is Hearts of Oak Podcast. Free speech, religious disagreement, children's rights, and open and free discussion on any topic are bedrock to a democratic free society, and we seek to promote and champion these basic rights. Join us. Let's keep the conversation going. Tommy Robinson. Tommy, good to have you with us. Thanks so much for giving us your time today. No problem, mate. Good to see you. Always good. Uh, and you can obviously follow Tommy at T. Robinson New Era. Often you don't find it. I certainly don't find it when I'm searching. So you need to know what you're searching for because there are a lot of Tommy Robinsons online. So use that. Make sure to use that handle. And of course, urbanscoop.news uh, for all the things that Tommy's involved in, uh, the events, everything else. And jo uh, do you want to show one of your books, which is trsilence.com? Take every opportunity to grip. So, yeah. <laughs> That's one. I want you to do one. Black An enemy of the state. The Black original. Five part of Feast, um, telling my life story. One was one was published in 2015, which was Enemy of the State. I thought things would lessen. I thought once I put all this out there, they're going to take a back step. How wrong was I? <laughs> you have to learn but they're all trsilence.com and the links are in the description but please tell me to start with with telford uh you're um just back from there uh frustratingly i could not get up there i really want to i've been to probably three of them i think before um but couldn't make this one and you're showing episode five of the Rip Up Written documentary series. Do you want to just let us know how the day went? It was a very successful day. It was a very stressful day. <laughs> you know what I've realised? Well, it must be because I'm old here. When I run the English defensive, we just used to bombard into cities every six weeks, every four weeks. I didn't get stressed. I just went, we're going there, yeah? <laughs> and this one, or, or these events, have just I've, I seem to be, have caused me a lot more stress. And it's, it's strange because, as I said, I just thought it must be because we're getting old. I spoke to lads. I said, like, we used to do this every four weeks and just march through different cities and there was chaos going on. And I didn't care. But um, I think I cared more as well. So the reason why I think I found these stressful is because they're telling the, the life story of a survivor. It's not just me going in and talking. It's not me worrying about myself. I'm worrying about how this lady's feeling whether she's going to get out of it, what she expected to get out of it, whether it's going to bring her forward anywhere. Because I realised after probably the first Nicole one, it hit her heart afterwards. And I wasn't ready, I hadn't, probably naively, hadn't thought about the effect it may have on her telling her story. And then I saw as we went on the series, I understood the heartbreak for the ladies and, and the continued devastation from it. Did it answer every question for them? Did it help them progress once they got it out? I think each of them have been a different story. Um, but that's why I think the build-up to it myself, Kareem was coming, wasn't coming, was coming, wasn't coming. I mean, she was terrified. The messages I was receiving the whole week in the build-up to it, we flew her into England the week before, spent time with her family. Um, but all in all, a total success on the day. Once it finished, I was like, it was a success. There was no trouble. There were four arrests on their side. I think a lot of people, I'm reading the feedback from our supporters who all believe it was the best event. I think a lot of them are saying they believe it was the best put together film. Uh, it told a devastating story. Have you had a chance to watch it? Um, I've watched some of it. I haven't watched it all yet. It tells a devastating story. Much like, it's like, here it is. Here's what they're doing. Here's what's happened to this one girl, as in the police failures. 
continued police failures up until last year, still a, still allowing her family to come under hostile, violent attack and doing nothing. The, the attitude of the police when you hear them on the phone, they don't care. They do not care. We have to relocate the family. We re relocate everyone in that family out of out of the town, pretty much out of the country. But um, yeah, all in all, it was a success. And tell us because the the proof. I mean, I've I've kind of learned some of this understanding where these girls come from, working with Elizabeth on the the legal case, um, and you're kind of you want to to move the survivor to a point with you it's the telling their story and getting that out with us it's the legal side getting at the end um and you realize where you in your head you probably think actually this is you just go from a to b you understand media and yet you realize you're bringing someone with you that doesn't necessarily understand or want the media space but they want to put their story so you kind of have that continual fight i guess until you have the product at the end I'm having it. I'm having it today. I've just since I woke up this morning, the, the survivors been messaging me. Do I do interviews? People are contacting me. What do I say? This person comes to me. Who's this? I don't know what's best for her. I don't know what's best for her. So, as I said, she told her story. Um, the reason I say that is because the media—they're not your friend. They're not your friend. So, if I tell her to do media interviews and they try and tarnish her in a different way, which they do. I know it may sound sad because she's a survivor. What you have to understand about these survivors, they've lived troublesome lives since their since the crime was committed against them as children. They've gone on into adulthood, surrounded sometimes by criminality, which is what reason used to be given for not believing and not accepting what they're saying. Um, what we've done, so people who are watching this for the first time have done understand what the Rape of Britain is. We went into the town of Telford, which was a town with a thousand victims, yeah, and two hundred men were identified by the police in these rape gangs, Muslim men. We went into that town, we spent 12, 12 to 18 months meeting survivors. Now, originally, Peter, Corrine was not meant to, we went, she, she had not agreed to do a film with us. Mm. Lots of the survivors had agreed to give us information anonymously. So I went and filmed with them, but I could never use it. And I've done that to back up if I ever got done naming the men, because then I can show you I've got multiple sources that have named them. Yeah, multiple different survivors have named, not just one girl. So we built our project over 12 to 18 months. We went through sometimes three hours, four hours, five hour interviews. Maybe we done one girl three or four times, three or four times for that amount of time. Then we pieced together our investigation of looking at who these men were. Then we went who would who was willing to tell their story. And Kareem wasn't one of them until they attacked. So basically, when when episode one went out, we put out a promo for episode one. So the gangs in that town didn't know who's talking to us. Didn't know who's been giving us information. So they started attacking everyone. Kareen's family were one of the families they attacked. Uh, that pushed Kareen into them being willing. to. Kareen was so upset what's happening to her family that she we met her again and we filmed again. And in the end, she agreed to for us to, to air, air an episode on it. We've got the amount we filmed. We've got other episodes which may never go to air because some of the girls... I say to all of them, if at any point, yeah, we'll tap, we'll start filming your story. If at any point you want to stop, you want to back out, I'm, don't, I will not feel any, any hard done by. Do, mm. do not think we'll be upset. Yeah, I was hoping they wouldn't because the man that was. <laughs> uh, at the same time, it's like yeah, I had agreements with each one I met. That was one of the agreements. Second agreement was if anything comes from this, we'll support you one hundred percent. So if there's problems of, uh, of danger, if there's threats, which is what happened with Kareem. 
Corrine had agreed. I'd made that promise. So when her house was at her mum's house was intact, it was literally it was the day before New Year's Eve, about eleven p.m. I drove straight up there. It's about two and a half hours. Other lads drove straight up there, and we stayed with the family until we relocated. It took a week to get them out there. So yeah, I think. Um, but I think they've had. Do you know what upsets me is to tell these girls stories. They should be on mainstream TV. Yeah, yeah. Pub, the entire British public should be able to listen to these girls' accounts of what happened. Because I've always said, reading the words 1,400 raped in a newspaper, you are not getting, it's not hitting you here, yeah? It hits you here when you sit with the families. It hits you when you sit with the girl. It hits you when you see, you see the physical, the emotional damage now, all these years on, um, which is the purpose of telling these stories. And the purpose of telling these stories was to put some heat on the rapists who are have free reign still with those towns. So yeah, that's what we do. Um, I kind of initially, whenever you brought, I think the second or third one, I thought, seriously, is Tommy going to do another rip of Britain again? But then I realized that actually you provide a service for these girls to get their story out. Um, I mean, has that given, I see other people coming on and, um, and talking about you and saying, you know, I didn't like Tommy, but actually he's done this and that. Um, has that given you that that's not the purpose 100% I get that but has that given you some kind of credit with others that you've stuck with something and simply haven't done well we're now moving on to whatever the next big thing is I'm going to keep focusing on this because others want to tell their story and I can do that yeah Joe you know it was because I'd sat down in the original 12 to 18 months where we'd sat down with these girls once we'd promised to tell their stories we're telling their stories and they were then relying on their story being told. The easy option after a couple of them, because remember it was after episode two, they went to my mum's house, the gangs did. They went to my mum's, they picked up on my car. Yeah. Um, yeah. They contacted friends to kidnap my kids from school. Um, so they went to town to try and put pressure on us. They put pressure on our team. Uh, three of my team resigned from their positions because they had cars sitting outside the houses. Their addresses were read to them. So they, the gangs done an on- onslaught against us. And the easy thing at that point would well not the easy thing any anyway probably the sensible thing at that point would have been to say well we're, we're taking a back seat but the fact that these girls if you if you've seen the footage now the fact that I knew they'd give me trust that they hadn't given other people that they'd put faith in me telling their story they hadn't put in other people I would just been another person's fan and they'd been found by everyone so I would have been someone who's gone to them give me your story, I'll help you, I'll give you a platform. And then when the going gets tough, I'll, I'll back down. So that's why we've followed through. We've got one more, and I've got to finish it. We've got one more. And as I said, the this six-part series, I believe I could have done all of it in 12 months, yeah, and had all of them done. If it wasn't for the hurdles, the threats, the, the attacks, the my entire team resigning at one point, um, also coupled with that, the court cases, the court cases, the court cases, um, it would have been done in 12 months. So it's gone on a lot longer than we anticipated. Um, yeah. But I think it's a, I think it's a box set that will be there forever. People want to get their heads into the rape brain, understand what's been going on, how it happens. Then uh, they can sit and watch that series. And yeah, it is the, the personal stories and it is, uh, there is a, there's a financial cost as well. And I understand that now from being in media where, you may consume information and media for free, but it's not free to actually produce. And it's one thing saying, giving a number and writing a newspaper article. Um, I think the Daily Mirror did six months investigation. So they've got full-time journalists, a team working six months. That's a hell of a lot of money. Um, 
there is a cost to what you do on making sure you tell the story right and filming lots and not using it. Um, and I just want to point out that people obviously can support that through Urban Scoop. Yeah, there is a cost. And do you know what upsets me is I look at GB News's budget. They've done one documentary on this, and I'm not just saying it. Yeah. Ours, ours, our investigation, our, our research, smashed it compared to that, yeah? We are, we're not, we, as I said, we're just citizen journalists. If we can put this together, we can put some heat on the gangs. We can do an investigation that shows and shows corruption like we have. We've exposed corrupt police officers. We've done all this. I just wish we had the budget that they have and we would tear this, tear it. Really, the idea originally was, Peter, that we're going to do this in every town and city. And we wanted to create teams that can go on to do this themselves, to put heat on the heat on the gangs. I think then I started thinking about, do I have a responsibility? Because see how the gangs reacted. I never really, I've talked about Islam for 15 years. Yeah? Obviously, I've upset a lot of radicals, extremists. I've never personally put it on one of them. But with this, it's personal. Because that, that paedophile knows it's him or that gang. Now, I'm about to put them under the spotlight in a big way. So I think the level of the extent they were willing to go to or the level of threat they have raised for me at that time and for, and for the girls and for the girls. So I never thought about those problems. We go in, play a film, leave television, don't we? Hey, and you're right. Your comment on GB News, their budget, they could, uh, the, the main focus think on GB, on GB News often is immigration, which is vitally important to highlight. But actually, you're right. And, um, and Charlie Peters has done great stuff on this issue, but it is minuscule in compa- compared to what they put out. And of course, he understands it and he puts forward ideas to the editors. So it's those at the top decide, actually, this is something that we'll put out every four months, a little bit, and then move on. Uh, but actually, they could focus and they could do a huge in-depth, and they actually could move the needle on this. They could be going into each town city. Yeah? But now, now, I know a list of people I need to find in Old. Yeah? I know a list of people I need to find in Rochdale. Yeah? I need to piece together and show people who don't understand the story just how in-depth in it goes. Yeah? But in the resources that they've got, Okay, they are, they've got the research teams, the finance, the security costs, because that's what this is, 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 would be a big cost. Everyone working that needs security. They'd realise that. Maybe it's that they do know, but they don't want the heat that comes with it as well. Maybe they don't want to have to put their, their maybe maybe Charlie Peters and that don't want to have to go under protection and start living in living the, living life in secret addresses or hotels or floating from one country to the other the way we do. Yeah, Maybe they're not ready. So maybe they're not ready to go that go to that place where they're personalizing it with these gangs because the gangs are willing to use violence and um, serious violence at times as, as we've seen through looking through their stories as I look through each of these stories I look at what the gangs have been involved in they're involved in murders killings they, they run the drugs in every town and city looking at Oldham now one of the main lads one of the men there looking at it and he's he was the drop getaway driver for Dale Cregan after Dale Cregan threw the grenade and killed mm-hmm. police officers in Manchester he was a getaway driver. He was actually prosecuted for it. He's in a relationship with the um, the Muslim, the main Labour Muslim councillor, MP, Burger Me. He's with her all the time. He's a convicted heroin dealer from right. Yeah? He's a gangster. It's like, and here they are in bed with Labour. <laughs> and each town you look at, this is what you see. In the robbery scandal, one of the Labour MPs was going and collecting the girls and getting them back, if I remember right. He lost his job in the end, but he was in Rochdale, the Labour the Labour councillor, who's now been promoted all the way through the ranks. If I'm right, but 
he went and gave a character reference for the Pakistani gangs. Every town, yeah. every town, they could do a real investigative piece. I said, I've got so many visions of what I could do, should do, would like to do. But at the same time, I've got my court cases thrown in the way every time as well, which consume a lot. And I've got a family, which I try and balance too. So my phone's, I've just said to you, my phone's from the 5th. But from the 5th, I'm going to a boot camp. We're going to a fitness camp. That's what I like to do. Just reset, get away from everything. And then I'm having, yeah. And then I need time. I need to fit in the time with my children as well as the work. So sometimes I think you, you can let this take over your life, hmm. which is done many times to me. So you let it take over your life and deteriorate your life. Or sometimes you have to get the mix right. Yeah, it's always hugely difficult to get the mix. Let me. I want one final thing on on up in Telford. Uh, I saw. And we have just had um, Sammy Woodhouse, um, and she said she wanted to go to see what was happening. She's a, a more high-profile uh, survivor, um, and has spoken courageously. Then I saw Maya Artusi was up there uh, filming it and reporting from it. Um, I mean, tell us about that. As, as you've stuck with this, um, obviously you've got criticisms from mainstream media from all of that but you've also got support from maybe areas you wouldn't have expected it was interesting that there was not one single mainstream media outlet news outlet not one not one not one they would have been reported if there was trouble but there wasn't one there was no trouble so not a single report from the mainstream media which was interesting but what was encouraging is the alternative media more there Basically, reporting, making their own little documents of it, whether it be the geese from Speaker's Corner, the black guy, um, whether it be Maya Tusi, whether it be us or Callum, there's lots of different people up there doing their own little reports. And to be honest, they're the important ones. And it's important that they grow. It's important that they give them support. Anyone who does this, I think that, I think seeing Sammy Woodhouse there, Sammy Woodhouse comes across very good, yeah, for a survivor. Okay? So she can articulate and sit and talk. And because some of the girls I've met, only without being horrible, does it give a false impression? They're still struggling massively. Yeah, I'm not saying somebody's not, but some of them are still hooked on drugs, some of them are still suicidal, some mm. of them are still damaged very severely. So, Sammy can give Sammy is a survivor, knows what they've been through. And I've watched her for years talk about this issue, and she has far more credibility uh, um, than anyone else can think of. So, if anyone was to push this, I want to shine a lot, I like to shine the torch on it. Yeah, mm. I don't think. I'm the right person to take hold of this issue. I've took hold of it and to highlight it, but to push for change, to be taken seriously, to sit down in corridors of power, we all know they're never going to want to talk to me. Sammy, Sammy Woodhouse is probably a better person to be able to bring about change in that thing. So I need support she doesn't. I think people should give her on this issue. I think that for years, I always wanted to, I went to seek means for seek awareness. So basically the seek community, they call meetings in all of their temples. And then the Sikh awareness go along and give an educational seminar to the mothers and the sisters. They fill it. I've been to them and watched them many times. They bring, and, the, and then they start going to Hindu temples as well. You know, they're invited into Hindu temples. And they bring, so it's a room full of women and their, and their daughters. And they go for an educational seminar of how these Muslim grooming gangs work, how they work, how they get into the girls in the first place, the, telling ta- the telltale signs, what to look out for, who you can be friends, girls with, and who you can't, because there's not legitimate friendships here. Yeah, they have a different mindset, a different worldview, a different ideology. So we go, they go through all of this to teach their daughters. I remember coming out of it and thinking, my mate was videoing. He said, "What do you think?" I said, "That is brilliant for the seat." 
It's also brilliant for the Hindu. Who's taking the working class mums and daughters yeah. and, and into churches? Which the churches should be opening their doors for this, yeah? and there should be seminars going in, in on this issue. The problem being that if we try to hold seminars on it, we'll be shut down. Yeah. Everyone comes out against us. They don't. They, they'd rather shout and scream at us and rather let the mums be naive, the daughters not understand it. Um, it's that whole reason why in, I remember in 2007 when they tried to bring a, do, a, a film series, an educational film series that was made in Holland called Loverboy. Mm. And it was played in the schools in Holland to educate the school children that Moroccan men pose as lover boys to be nice to you to then get you into prostitution and rape. It's grooming, yeah? It's exactly the same. But our education system and our government blocked it through fears of being branded racist. So that was 2007. Thinking about girls could have been saying. So yeah. There's lots of work to do, but I think everyone has a different area to play. I'm waiting to see Sammy's report to understand fully what she thought of the people she met. Were they the people she thought she'd meet? Uh, I think it's an interesting one. Someone who's had a a view of an organisation or a view of people based on what media say, whether she's fully accepted that view or whether well, that's what I want to find out. Did she think it was legitimate what they said about these people? Or has she met lots of decent, ordinary people? Which I know she would ordinary decent people who spend their hard-earned money to travel far and wide to bring a help us shine a torch on this issue and i think no matter what people say yes a lot of those people will eventually realize we were right we weren't doing our hatred um and we were trying as best we can to to talk highlight these issues let i want to get onto your silence podcast and lawfare but just final i think it was on this um documentary that you end up you're probably other as well i think you end up in the police station um with the guy and um then then you finish off at that point and um, what the police obviously don't want you in their backyard talking about what has been happening and what is currently happening uh how is the engagement with the police been like for your events and then also generally for filming in telford telling the truth they've been great okay yeah they've been great very strange, to be honest. Very. <laughs> no, it has. You're ready for a fight, and they just yeah, every, every every time I'm ready for a fight, <laughs> and, and they're not. They haven't been. So I'm going to tell the truth. They've been. Look, we we haven't pushed them or wanted anything other than the easiest option for them anyway. So we have, Wellington is the Muslim area. Yeah? Mm. We could have been saying we want to screen this film in Wellington. We have. Yeah, we want to screen the film somewhere that's safe for our supporters. We want to have an organised event. Yeah, where people walk away feed, knowing they're safe to come, feeling safe. So we picked an, an isolated area as close to where we can meet, which is the train station. Telford's a new city, really. So it's got, we haven't wanted to go in the shopping centre. Again, when I look at certain demonstrations, people, some people have wanted to, but when I look at certain demonstrations, I think we're just pissing people off there yeah. on certain issues. Yeah, Unless we have to, we don't need to. I don't want to shut down and make all these businesses close. Yeah which is what the council will do, police will do. So we, we've cho- we, we've been quite easy for them. But even in our investigations, I didn't let them know when I was, when I was coming. I just said to them, you'll, you'll learn. They, they learned very early on. I'm not there. We're there to get our new story told. We're there to leave. Yeah? Yeah. They've been very, um, they were cool. Yeah, they were cool. Hmm. Policing of it in, in sticking to what they said. Actually, on Saturday, they didn't. And on Saturday, they put where they where the counter protesters were meant to be. They weren't. They were bought the other side of the fence, close to us. Yeah, purposely. That isn't that is a flare opportunity for us to fail. 
We yeah. could have come into that car park to watch the film and our supporters could have rushed towards them and it would have caused a confrontation. And I think that's what they were put there for. I hope people are coming wise to this in our own movement. If you go if you go that way, you're giving them what they want. If you even look at them. I've always said from the days of the, you know, the left-wing activists, they used to be the UAF. And said, they're irrelevant. They are irrelevant in our battle. They're irrelevant in what we want to do. Why would we even look? I, I don't look at them. They're, I don't give any of my effort into those organisations, yeah? I come to tell my film, and if our supporters all done the same, they'd feel it. They left pretty early because everyone turned around to watch the film. And as we were watching the film, after 30 minutes, I saw them all, yeah. all leaving, all leaving. <coughs> so, yeah. Although, please have a... They arrested, they arrested one of our surveillance officers once because he was putting a tracking device under a vehicle uh, for one of the rapists. But he was released no further action. I think they... Look, if someone put in a trucker, there's a, there's a grey area there on what's mm. legal, what's not legal. So the Muslim complaint, the Muslim rapists every time gone to the police as well, were not they? Wow. He run, he runs straight. So I follow him. He, we get him in the house. So do you know what we've done? We rented an Airbnb. We rented an Airbnb, and he's a gas engineer. So we rented the Airbnb, and then we got a lady to call him out to come and fix the boiler because tracking these locked down. Yeah, yeah. It's hard, man. Some people won't realise it. They don't live nine to fives, any of them. Mm. Yeah? And they don't just stay in one house. So we're about house under surveillance. And also, the minute they get any wind, so what we have to do on each one of them, say there was three targets, we try and get them all on the same day. Yeah? Or very close to each other. Bang, get him, get him, get him. Like, what, where, where is he at that time? Because once you've got one of them, we realise from episode one and two, they go. They're all in Pakistan. I sat at Manchester Airport. I knew they were all heading to, oh, they're all heading to, Pakistan. I was stood outside to flight things because I wanted to get them all leaving and interview them. Then where are you off to, lads? So I stood. I stood for days when we knew we we knew from inside their own community. Something else I'd like people to realise as well is lots of people say they're not raping their own women. Are oh, they are? Are oh, they are, man? Their own women ain't coming forward, and I know that. I know that from these investigations. The amount of people within their community that I spoke to in the time of my Telford. And some of them, I didn't know if I was being set up when they were eight, like literally one girl arranged to meet us. I bought four cards full of men and we waited and I thought, this is a setup here. Yeah? They're coming. Yeah. But these are the risks we took yeah. to get the access. The girls come, we drove her out of town. She's legit. She's legit. I had, how do I say? One of them raped his own daughter. Raped his own daughter. So, Hasn't been charged. Hasn't been charged. I've spoke to ex-wives, Muslims as well, ex-wives of these gangs. They're just terrified. And there's no help for them, not within their community either, because they should sit up and shut up. Yeah? Mm. So they have nowhere to turn. So, as I said, yeah, it's, it's a very... I could, if, one, if any of them were willing, which I tried, I could have made another episode on the Muslim women in that town. So I know I, I've been one all the time. They don't rape their own. No, they do. They do. They're pedophiles. They're rapists. They're horrible people. They, that, that hasn't come out yet within the Islamic community of how enslaved their own women are, how beaten they are. Um, I guess it's because of their willingness to talk because they can't. Um, I want to move on the Silence podcast. Uh, I am. I mean, I'm really pleased. You've, I've been for a long time being come on tommy you can start doing you've got so many contacts um and you've now started you're up to like episode 20 i think 
Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. So what what has that been? Because that's very different from Ripper Britain. It's much much wider. Uh, you're talking to individuals in all different areas, whether it's sport, whether it's opposing COVID tyranny um, across the board. W- what's what's that been like? Because it is it's face to face with people. I've enjoyed it. And and I, I am an inquisitive person. So if I'm talking about an issue, I am inquisitive naturally. Mm. I was saying, what about that? What about that? In, in any of these issues, I like to know more, learn more. So I've had people on who know their subjects and know their area, areas far better than me. And they're issues that I'm interested in anyway. And so I, I think there's lots of interesting characters out there. And what I know as well is people judge me based on a few headlines. Yeah. People judge everyone based on a few headlines. When you sit down and listen to them for an hour or two hours, you get to understand that person a lot more. So I know it's been beneficial for me. I said it to Paul Golden. I've just done a podcast with Paul mm-hmm. Golden. I said, Paul, no one even knows. Well, no one really knows you. I know. Yeah? yeah. No one knows you. No one knows you. They just know what the media have told them about you. Yeah. The little snippets and headlines is what people know of you. Sit down in long form discussions that people will understand. No, he's a reasonable guy. He's a good man. Yeah. He's, he's, he's this. He's that. They get to base their opinion. So lots of people, um, who have I got this week? Callum. Callum um, from, car, from the podcast I've done. Uh, the Cardiff I knew I had, was on with that little American dude. So he's yeah. got his own podcast. So I had him on as a guest. It goes out this week. He was a heroin addict. He His story is um, it's remarkable how bad his life was. And then he was in, in and out of prison. And now he's got the biggest podcast in Wales. Uh, he's t- totally changed his life. So he, that was an interesting story. I just had Kevin Lane as well, who's convicted for a hitman, um, but was, but proclaims his innocence. And actually, as I, I delve into, if I go into something, if I go in on it, and I look into it. I looked into his case. Mate, he's innocent. He didn't kill him. He didn't shoot him. He's set up by the police. He was set up by the police. So I looked at that. The most interesting one or the most fascinating one for me that I can recall recently was Katie Hawkins. Because <laughs> um, she doesn't, she doesn't, you know she doesn't do. She doesn't cry victim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do a lot. I feel sorry for myself. <laughs> when I do it. <laughs> I've never heard her really do that. And then I, but when I've listened to her, like, Mate, when I've gone through her life as well, she's had it hard. She's had it hard, but you wouldn't know she's had it hard because she's always got a strong face and always fighting and, and, and isn't sitting there crying. I think she shed a tear on this one. She gets uh, emotional and think it was an emotional, heartbreaking story. So, yeah, I I like it. I enjoy it. I do. A lot. And, of course, you've gone from, uh, I know what it's like, you go with people who you've contact with, who you know, um, and for you, it's a hell of a lot of people. But then you go with people who you don't really know and you're meeting them for the first time. And it's a different type of interview. You're sitting with someone you know well. You can chat. You can relax. I mean, I when I come on with you today, haven't done any prep because I know what you're doing. I know your story. I know what you're involved in. And it's just a conversation where if you're someone on who you don't know, actually, it is a lot of work beforehand. You want to understand who you're talking to. So there's there's different dynamics there, I guess. Yeah, there is because some because you have to know their lives, you have to know their story, you have to know if you want to be inquisitive in the right areas to be inquisitive, and to push them on the the parts that need pushing. And if there is, if there is any things that you think they haven't told properly, then you want to quiz on. But yeah, I think from anyone, any any podcast I've ever gone on, I say to them, ask me any, I don't care. Ask me any question you want, I will answer you honestly. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm an open book on everything. So I think that my first one was with Young Spray, Muslim lad. Backpacker, um, I was disappointed with it because I ha- I wasn't. It was my first one when I watched yeah, it. Yeah. Man, I should have. Yeah, I, I was disappointed. But don't, don't watch your first ones back. Don't. No, no. 
Oh, no. I know. Yeah, because I've seen, because from now, I feel a lot more comfortable doing it. But yeah, I enjoy it, man. I had some, like, my week went mad this week. I had a couple lines this week which I wanted to rearrange. Um, I want to sit down. I'm about to sit down with a Pakistan, uh, lads from Pakistan. To understand, some people have a different opinion of these grooming gangs from me. And I think mm. it's important to delve into them. Um, for example, like he he puts it down to the uneducation of the areas of Pakistanis are from, I believe. Yeah? So I want to be inquisitive about that and see, see his opinion on it. I also, uh, yeah, I also, like, I never would have entertained um, false flags. I never would have entertained it. Yeah. But I think more and more so now, people are buying into the fact that lots of these attacks are false flags. So if they are, I want to delve into it. And there's a lad who wrote a book about 7-7, about the train bombings in London. He wrote a book and he swears it's a false flag. He swears it's a setup. Um, I want to, if it is or if it isn't, I think it's important to quiz it. And I, I'm gonna sit, I want to sit down with him. He's agreed, come on. There's lots of different, yeah. Yeah, it's good. Want to finish on lawfare, uh, and which is what the system, the state, have have used to silence you, have tried to use to remove you. Um, and you were in in court uh, the other week. Um, I mean, tell us about that because you're still you. You're still pushing back. Um, you're still doing what you want to do. And over the years, whatever the system has thrown at you, um, you've you've taken with uh, probably greater ability than than many could have taken, and you've you've pushed on. So, um, I mean, from what I look at everything you've been through, the the end result is actually they haven't won. No, they haven't. Um, it's a long battle. At times they have, though. So yeah, they've thrown a lot at, and it and. I continue to come back, so and I continue to come back because I know I'm right and because I'm stubborn. And think, no, you're not stop. If I wanted to stop doing this, I'd do it of my own accord. No one's making me stop. Yeah. If I made the decision for my life, that needs to be my decision, yeah? which I don't feel like making. I don't want to make. But if I did, it's not going to be because you put pressure on me. In fact, that has the adverse effect on me. It always has. From the first time they looked at, first time they made in my house, I got more upset. Wanted to highlight their roles more. So I don't, I don't think if they think that's the objective, I don't, I think they should know by now. Yeah, you don't want to do that. It's not going to work. But they focus on coming at you from all different angles of pressure, coming at you, coming at your family, whether it be tax investigations, whether it be money investigations, whether it be anything they can do. They and at the same time kicking your door up, at the same time putting bogus bail conditions, false charges, and then eventually locking you up. And they hope that all those attacks affect your life, your home life, your family's life, which they do. And that is that pressure. The amount of times I had, I'm going back 15 years now, in the last 15 years. When the English Feds League started, in the first three months, in the first six months, I was dawn raided three times. Of course, my family were crying. Of course, they were begging me to stop. Of course, my mum come to me and said, Stephen, do you know what you're doing? My 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 wife at the time, my now, my ex-wife, but at the time, her family, like you're putting the whole family in danger. Yeah. Of course, which is the purpose of doing it. It's the purpose of making it so high profile. It's all about pressure tactics. Um, those pressure tactics don't work with me. They have the they have the adverse effects. I am so annoyed now about the latest case. I was in London reporting on an anti-Semitism march, and I was arre- I was arrested and violently attacked by the police for doing so. And I was carted off, and I wasn't just carted off. I was then prosecuted. I've been prosecuted. And you're pepper sprayed. They pepper sprayed me from point blank range. Have you read their statement? Did I, have you had? I've read the police officer's statement. The police officer says I was about to escape lawful custody. How many were holding you? 30. 30. 
And he says that's why he pepper sprayed them. And he, but the thing is, the, the thing is, we can laugh here, yeah? but when this goes to trial, all that will get reported by the mainstream media is what the police officers are saying. So the judge will convict me, and the public will be told I was swinging my arms around violently. They say I have a tendency to incite violence. I've never been charged for inciting violence ever. Yeah? They also say I'm a risk. I'm all of these things. So when they're dealing with me, they don't know how to deal with me. That's what they're saying. I was never swinging. I was reasonable. I was calm and reasonable in every dealing I've had with the police. I've been calm and reasonable. But they know that these are the headlines that the media will pump. They won't show the video again. They won't. If they do, they'll show stills that make me sh show me with an angry face or something. That's what happens. So that's the battle we're up against. But they charged me. I faced three months in prison. So far, I've spent £24,000 in this case. £24,000. I'm banned from the capital city. I'm banned from London can't enter London. So all of this really frustrates me. I should be free to enter my capital C. I do not consent to these conditions, which I've been held under now for three or four months. Um, it's having an, it's had an effect on the, my ability to work. I have to go to a Muslim police officer and ask for permission to enter London. He's refused me three times. All legitimate meetings. One was with where, where, where you, your event. Oh, he, yeah. Your event. Did he ring you? Uh, yes, I had a conversation and explained, well, Tommy's a journalist and uh, we want journalists to be there. We actually rely on alternative media like what Tommy's doing. So uh, we want him to come and talk to people there, do Vox Pops, um, highlight it, promote it. Um, yeah, that that was that was the reason. It'd be I'd love you to be there because uh, I get on with you, but I'd love you to be there because that's what you do as a journalist. And He you know, put back to said no. No, what what reason? What has that got to do with the anti-Semitism rally that I went to abroad? Yeah. It's got nothing to do with it. It's to do with limiting my work ability. Basically, they have a hostile Islamic community within London, and they do not want me in London. So rather than deal with the hostile Islamic community, they limit my freedoms. And they have done now, so far, for four months. I go to trial on St. George's Day, 23rd of April. I just, the whole 22nd and 23rd, so I'm in on the 22nd, the 3rd, it'll be on the 23rd. Do I have much faith? No, I don't have a jury. Again, there's no jury. I've never had a jury. Everyone wants to read out my list of convictions. Give me a jury. Give me 12 members of the British public. Let them make their decision on me. Not, not some judge. And I'm sorry, but I know I've just been watching the Lawrence Fox situation yeah. on his case. It's cost him a million pounds, yeah? It's obviously mine. They bankrupt me for 1.6 million. I don't think he quite, like, not, maybe call it naively, I believed in the British justice system at one point. And then I realised it's Yeah, not. we all did at some point. We believe in the police at some point. Then I realised it's not a justice system. It's a legal system. You can't win. If they, if you're against the system, you can't win. When I look at... So what they've done with me on Lawfare, where they've done me, where they, where they done me on the film Silence, they just... They're ruled against all the evidence. Right. And then I looked at the Johnny Depp case. When Johnny Depp cleared his name in America, the same high court in London ruled against all the evidence and found him guilty. So he was condemned as a woman beer which we then find out he's not. We find out she's mad, a box of frogs. But we also find out the truth because American courts are allowed to open, the, the public can watch what's going on. So we got to see the trial. If anyone got to see my trial that they banked, you would, there's, it's impossible for me to have been found guilty. It's impossible. I brought, I brought five witnesses to court and seven covert recordings proving what I said. They brought one Syrian refugee, no one else. And the judge ruled that everyone else, all 12 people were lying. But then when he rules that, he then put a reporting restriction. He puts a, 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 a um, he gives me an injunction. I can't sit, share the information with anyone. How do you win in that system? So I, I watched Lawrence going in tears. And I think he was, he was confident. And unfortunately, I was confident. And unfortunately, even you know, Danny Lockwood, Danny Lockwood come to help me with my court. Like, I think it hit him hard. 
because he just couldn't understand it afterwards. He said, we won that. How can the judge have done that? I said, because it's a corrupt system, mate. The judge has been told to do that. The judge who hasn't got kids, who's single, God knows what he's up to, has been told to do that. Yeah, That's what's happened when I started looking into him. So yeah, he done that. I now face two years in prison for that. I'm still waiting for that court date. I face two years in prison because of Phil proves their corruption. And they again, they just rely on the fact that we don't we don't have the reach we used to have. We are censored. I'm still searched, banned on Twitter. Someone could have heard what's going on in Telford, want to find out in the UK, search for Tommy Robinson. They can't find my account. It's not right. I know I'm feeling sorry for myself again. I moan about it a lot. It's good. If some people said you should be happy to be back. I am happy to be back on Twitter, but I wouldn't have the reach. It's not my reach. It's not just me they're blocking. They're blocking people's ability to find me. So the public can't find the alternative journalists and they want to find. Unless you put in at T Robinson New Era and click it to find my tweets, you cannot find them. Can I just, I want to finish off on the point you talked about uh, trial by jury. And again, I always believed that actually you go to court and there's a judge and he knows the law and he will rule fairly. Um, and then you realize that's not the case because they have a um, they have a, a greasy pool to climb up and they're all different uh, rewards and incentives for them to do the right thing to climb up. Therefore, a trial by jury. And I've been on one jury, I think, before. Um, I listened to a case. And that actually, it actually does make sense to have a dozen whatever random people and for them to hear the case and make the decision and there can't really be the the threat so i don't understand why we don't have trial by jury generally on our court cases i know because it's like they, they, what they do in me is they, they drop my case down to the lowest every time so they might have arrested me they arrested me at set parks for this sexual assault against um a minor i'm not allowed to say which minor but against a minor they arrested me for that um and and the charge should have been ABH, right, for his injuries. Hmm. They didn't. They dropped it to the lowest assaults force. They, they changed the charge because then you don't get a jury. Yeah? So then you get prosecuted by a judge. You're not having a jury. So each time they've done that to mine, they, 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 what they've charged me isn't even the elect, doesn't even fit to the criteria in alleged defence. Hmm. They just drop it. So like now, this one, three months in jail. Can't give you a, a big sentence. The only sentence that, that worries me is the two years for making a film. Because that's no jury either. They put these injunctions on you. If you breach the injunction, you bugger back to court, which is civil. It has a criminal outcome. And the judge, which makes for the judge who's humiliated in the documentary and film, can give you two years in prison. It's the only offence in the country. Judge, you can get two years in jail. Other than that, they drop all mine down to the lowest, so you go before a magistrate's court. So it's a maximum sentence of 12 months, but you don't get a jury. Yeah. And then you're you're one of the few people in Britain who've been solitary confinement there in Belmarsh. I'll do a year solitary or i'll be dead so it's, they're the options i guess mm. yeah wow um so uh just for, what 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 are you coming up silence is is kitty the next one coming up no you've released her yet no the, uh, the central club podcast host is the next one okay after that it's kevin lane and then it's katie hawkins so katie's a fabulous man can, 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 I laughed at the wrong time as well. Kate's telling a story about. Kate, <laughs> let me go. Kate, I'm still. Kate's telling a story, and it's about how she was working with this fella, and he I think he, he was married. She ended up in a relationship with him, so he, he ran off with her. She was the young girl. He was 45. She was 25. He took a relationship with her, and he ran off with her at work. Yeah. So I thought, okay, and then she has her second baby with him. The day the baby's born, he leaves her. And he leaves her for the secretary. 
So I know I can't hold the text. <laughs> I start I start getting into bits of hysteric. I'm picturing her, I think what's his name, Ross? I'm just, he's got he's 45, he's gone for the younger woman. And then when she's had three babies, he's, see you later, he's gone for the younger woman again. And I think I was laughing at the total time, it had become so awkward, it was in it's hysterics. <laughs> <laughs> it just left. It was such. I think people might watch it. Why are you laughing? So, but once it got me, it got me. Um, but then it got me, and her sense of humour. She's very strong on everything, man. So I think she's a fabulous strong woman. It's an interesting story. She goes up, and then she comes right down, man. And then she gets back up, and then she's right down again. And they have, and it's coordinated. You find that out in the story. It was coordinated. The chief rabbi, the chief of the church, the head of the church. All the highest people in all these positions then said she's got to go. They mm. put pressure on LBC, Daily Mail. Yeah, she had the biggest column in the country, columnists in the country. Yeah, it's an interesting story, man. An interesting story to see that here she is now, fighting back still. She's still there. So, and she's one of the. Uh, she's she's one of the most difficult people I think to interview. I, I remember watching Lewis Brackpool interview her, and she was enjoying it, just winding him up, and he was just stayed serious. I think. Uh, yeah, I, I laugh. I laugh. Didn't stop laughing and cried. <laughs> because I think, um, and do you know what else? Every part of her story, I thought, geez, that happened to me. But I'm a man. So I think I'm a man and I can live comfortably in the knowledge that the mother of my children is a fabulous woman and a fabulous mother. Mm. So I can crack on. But then I started trying to think of it like, as, as her, as a woman. How does she deal with it? I have to deal with people saying negative things about me, but she's dealt with a lot of mockery. Yeah, A lot of mockery by the establishment, by the media, by everyone. Yeah, and she dealt with it. And then when they bankrupt her through the court, same as me, she lost her house. Same, so she hit. They hit her for everything. How did? Because I know how damaging that was and how I felt. Yeah, and I'm a man. As again, I keep putting down to I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a man. I just thought, how have you dealt with it? She went to America. I went to Spain. She went to America. She left her kids because she, did she for same as what I thought at times. She, she talks about she, she seriously considered it ending her life multiple times. Yeah. Because she felt, and I thought about it, not, not, I thought about my kids, would they have a better life if I wasn't here? With what stuck to them now, when they were going through school, when they were, when their friends were, groups were isolating them at school, people weren't speaking to them, things like that. And I thought about then the police, will they ever get careers? Will they? Will they ever have a fair balance in life and chance because of the my fight with the establishment? I don't know. So I, I ever think she'd thought, I thought. It was very, Easy story to go down because I knew where I was going. Um, Tom, I'll finish it there. People, obviously, if they're not following you, they can follow you on Twitter. They can get the latest um, episode five of The Rib of Britain on Twitter, on Rumble, or on Urban Scoop. Um, I'd encourage people to sign up to the Urban Scoop newsletter to consider financially supporting you. They can do it through that. And of course, your books, Enemy of the State and Silence, available on trsilence.com and all the links are in the description. Thank you so much, Tommy, for coming on and sharing what's been happening with you. Thank you, Brian. Make your plans. 25 of March. We're in old. Awesome. We'll be there. Cheers, If you like what we do, sign up to our mailing list. Donate, share, and subscribe to our many platforms at heartsofoak.org. Thank you for listening.